eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You're joined by me, David, and we've also got James in the room. James, how are you doing? Ah, good. And ready for another week. Yeah, these weeks are absolutely flying by now as we are on the dawn of week nine. Of course, week nine has already started with the Thursday night football matchup. It was the repeat of the NSC Championship game from earlier in the year where the 49ers ran away 37-20 with Raheem Moster going absolutely ham against that Green Bay Packers defence. However, none of the offensive skill players for the 49ers that played in that game were available for them tonight. So it was a little bit of a different game. The Packers uh, came away with a 34-17 win against the 49ers, but in all honesty, I think that scoreline flatters the 49ers. There was there was two uh, garbage time touchdowns, if you like, one for Richie James and one for Jeremy McKinnon as, as time expired. And the, the Packers were 34-3 uh, in the early fourth quarter of this one. So... A scoreline that flatters the, the 49ers, do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, it's not often that a scoreline where you're outscored 2-1 two to one is flattering, but this was one of them. Yeah, the, the 49ers just could not get anything going offensively. And even against a Green, Back, Green Bay Packers defence that has been pretty poor against the, the run so far, it was... Jerry, uh, Jer- Derek McKinnon came back as the guy who carried the ball the most times. Uh, Jermichael Hasty was, was tipped to be that, that lead running back, but... He, uh, he was outcarried 12-4 to by McKinnon, and it was McKinnon that did get that late touchdown. But neither option were particularly great for fantasy football purposes. Richie James did have a big game, though. He had nine receptions off 13 targets for 184 yards and a touch. Now, James, if the 49ers continue with their, with their injury rows, and we, we keep on seeing players like Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel out, and Kendrick Bourne as well, is, is Richie James a viable fantasy option moving forwards? No. Um, I mean, to, to, to put it simply, the, the whole debacle this week was Kendrick Bourne tested positive for COVID and was close contact with Debo, with Ayuk, and um, I believe it was Trent Williams, left tackle, I could be wrong. But um, they then found that Bourne's positive was actually a negative um, when they retested, and all, all of those tested negative as well. But because of the protocol, you need two consecutive negatives, I think, to be able to allow them to play. So at the point where he got the positive was like the worst moment because it meant that you guaranteed to rule them out even if it's a false positive, mm. which is what it turns out it was. So next week, Ayuk will be back. An extra week of rest for you know Debo because he would have been away from the facility might help him, who knows. Um, there's rumours Mostert might be available week 10 potentially as well. So um, the offense might get a little bit back together in week 10. So Richie James, he, 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 had, he basically was going to get one opportunity and boy, did he take it. But I think long term, we're going to be back to the more usual personnel, shall we say. But it's still, I think the 49ers race is run just because of how hard the division is, to be honest. Um, they'll still give it their all now that there's seven playoff teams, but um, the re- the real minefield is going to be fantasy wise because if we if you suddenly get all three of those big players back together, it's like if one of them would come back, you'd think yeah that's a starring role, but in reality they might just start taking off each other. But that team does miss Monster more than anyone, I think. Yeah, definitely, but. If we start to get those players back, it will be a bit of a minefield because how much of resting did we do? Because for the 49ers to be in playoff contention, they've got to win five, six, or even seven of their last seven just with how competitive that NFC West is. So it's going to be really difficult for them to maintain the pace. And then you've got to start asking yourselves a question as an organisation, right, we're happy with our head coach. We're, mm, I was going to say happy with the quarterback then, but but maybe not. But happy with certainly some of the, the offensive skill positions around there and on the, the defensive line as well, particularly how far do you let the team slide in in the name of, of getting a higher draft pick? And we, we see 
people say tanking's a myth, and that's because head coaches and players are still playing for their jobs. But the 49ers, I think Kyle Shanahan is completely safe. And if he didn't win another game for the rest of the season, I think he's guaranteed the job for next year because the organisation knows and understands what, what's going on this season. So that, that could be a very difficult one um, to watch for the rest of the season. And it's such a uniqueness about American football and it's something certainly me as a as a, a football fan growing up uh, I, I'm not used to this kind of mentality of of trying to lose and when you when you want your team to win it's it is a very different one to to how I've been brought up as a football fan where obviously every point matters every win matters whereas in American football it's as a, it's a very slightly different mentality so yeah interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for the 49ers but we also turn our attention to the Green Bay Packers. Now, the biggest story for this one was Aaron Jones going to be healthy or not? And he was announced very late on that he was going to be active and fantasy Twitter was full of don't start. It's a trap. He's, he's not going to get a full workload. And then the first six or seven plays of the game all went to Aaron Jones, both through the air and on the ground. And people just had their head in their hands thinking, what on earth have we done in benching Aaron Jones? But it wasn't the, the greatest irony point. that the it's a trap comments were a trap. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were a trap. Um, but he only had, well, he had 15 carries for only 58 yards and then a couple of uh, catches as, yeah, five catches in the end for, for 21 yards off five targets. So it was it was an okay PPR day for him, but um, he didn't hit double digits in standard scoring leagues. Uh, Tyler Irving came in to, to try and take some of that workload off him, eight carries for 24 yards, but, but nothing to write home about there. So Aaron Jones, we're not worried about him for the rest of the season, are we? It was just a um, a game where he didn't have to run because Aaron Rodgers took care of everything through the air. Um, we've got no concerns about him for the rest of the nah, season. He got, he got the work done early and then they were able to rest him for the rest of the time. Um, it was kind of, let's say, I was saying last week about teams seemingly doing the, oh, he's injured and then suddenly he plays well, or no, he's fine and suddenly he barely gets the snap kind of situation. The sort of the bluff games within full force, and I think this could have been another one. It's how long did they know he was going to play and did they just keep the cards close to the chest? Because if they knew all along he'd actually play and start, then they suckered the community beautifully, to be fair, with the amount of, um, you know, don't sign, but... All in all, if you played him, you're kind of happy but not ecstatic. And if you didn't play him, it's not looking like the end of the world. Mm. Like you threw, you may, it's not a, I've thrown away my week by not taking the gamble on him being healthy. So it's probably the best case scenario in many ways because it means that it's the least amount of people that are unhappy. Yeah, uh, which in the current world, um, anything that does that is welcomed in my view because it seems like any decision you make nowadays, you're going to make half of the population unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> insert anything political here, but yeah, um, yeah, Aaron Jones wasn't particularly over needed for this game because they got away early, and when you have a certain QB to wide receiver combination, then uh. Yeah, the running the running back isn't always required. No, and Aaron Rodgers against his uh, the team he supported growing up as a kid, he uh, went twenty five for thirty one for three hundred and five yards and four touchdowns. Just another day at the office for Aaron Rodgers, and he is playing with the biggest chip on his shoulder this season. And Devontae Adams, of course, is the main beneficiary of this. He has missed time this season, but he had twelve targets in this one, ten receptions, one hundred and seventy three yards, and a touch. Stat line not quite as impressive as uh, as Richie James's, I might add, but um, yeah, Devontae Adams got his more legitimately than as opposed to uh, a lot of Richie James's in his garbage time. But that they're, they're just two standards, like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Obviously, you're starting them every single week. But the interesting one that that we're going to take a bit of a look at is MVS. So Lazard was another player that was it was up in the air about whether he was going to come back this week or not. Um, I think potentially it could have been okay if it was a Sunday game, but with it being the Thursday game, he was he was given another week off. And MVS very early on in this game had a horrendous drop, and we're thinking right, just get Lazard back now. MVS is done, and then comes away with two touchdowns. So and and a one one yard touchdown at that. So MVS is known as the the deep threat guy there, the one that Aaron Rodgers throws the ball up to. But he he's getting a one yard touchdown there, particularly for Aaron Jones owners would have been very frustrating. So so James, are we looking at MVS as a viable 
option or is it just a bit of a fluke because he only actually had the four targets? I'm going to go fluke because his two touchdowns were his only two receptions. Mm. And whilst one of them was the one-yard reception, the other was the other 52 yards he got. So, uh, and that was a deep ball, which was basically the Niners completely covered um, Devontae Adams and forgot MVS existed and just let him run and run to the point where he could turn around, probably do the (laughs) okey-cokey and still catch the ball, probably have a cup of tea and then cross the line for the touchdown. It was that open. Um, so he was so far open that COVID would have forced him to close. But <laughs> it was, it's, I think Lazard will come back next week. I agree that if it had been a Sunday or later, if he, I think Lazard would have been activated and MVS would probably not have had that kind of game because it was Thursday. The short turnaround, it is probably too soon. It's hard to, you know, release players to say available on Thursday games, I think. But, yeah. I think Lazard long-term is going to re- retake that number two role and hopefully with a you know, nice bill of health and you know some a bit of rest, shall we say, he should be able to take up that role quite nicely. Aaron Jones being back also you know, spreads a little bit more of the passing work around, which stunts MVS's value there as well. So, um, I mean, MVS was one of those high-drop candidates the last few weeks and then um, he has a good game, but I wouldn't get sucked into picking him back up because there are just too many variables. And moving over over to the tight end side, um, I think you can probably say once again, Green Bay and tight ends no longer compatible again. So yeah, we we had all this hype about Robert Tonyan Tonyan, however however you want to pronounce it. We had uh, all the, the hype about him, but wave a wire, Ian. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is going to go to his wide receivers um, but he, he's also going to his running backs as well 10 of the targets were to to, to Irvin and Jones there so yeah I think that the tight end dream is over there in Green yeah. Bay For reference Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Jace Sternberger each had one reception on one target um, Sternberger and Lewis for one yard but Lewis had a touchdown and Tunyon for five yards. So the three of them combined for three catches on three targets for seven yards and a touchdown. Gross. <laughs> and the touchdown score for the 49ers, if it's a tight end, has varied over the last few weeks. So they're very much back to the old tight end by committee. You can't trust any of them anymore. So, yeah, it's it's back to the Packers that we know. The Tunyon thing was a fluke and... You can safely drop him, and it's time to look at the landscape and think, oh, my gosh, what the heck do I pick up? Yeah, not a nice landscape indeed. However, we now turn our attentions onto the rest of the Week 9 fixtures. Uh, For a slight change, I'm going to go first this week, and I am going to look at the Seattle Seahawks at the Buffalo Bills. This one, it is the 6-1 and one Seahawks taking on the 6-2 and two Buffalo Bills. And I think the Seahawks are going to romp this one, even though it is in Buffalo. I think the Bills have had a... Their schedule has, has made a, a nice nice record for them so far. They, they got absolutely kicked around by the, by the Titans a few weeks ago. So it's just, it just shows that they, they have got the ability to, to have that happen to them. And with Russell Wilson playing the way that he is at the moment, I just can't see any other winner. Now, for the Seahawks, you're starting Russell Wilson. If you need me to, to tell you that piece of advice, then um, I don't think you should be playing fantasy football because that is the, the first guy that goes onto the team sheet. And the big question is, is what is going to happen at the wide receiver position? So is it going to be a Lockett day? Is it going to be a Metcalf day? And you cannot drop either of them out of your starting lineup. And I think that both have got the ability to have to have fair fantasy days. But the last few weeks, the way that we've seen it go is one goes off while the other one has has an OK fantasy day. So, James, have you got any thoughts about which one is going to be the one that goes off this week or is it just a uh, roll of the dice again? I personally think it's going to be a locket day purely because I think that the Bills are going to cover Metcalf more and probably put... Um, their top corner on him. I was trying to work out if Tredavious White's available or not, but um, well, Josh, Josh Norman's out as well. Uh, well, so he's he's questionable. So, um, but I've not I've not heard anything about Tredavious White. I think he's I think he's going. 
So I think I think yeah, I think White will cover Metcalf, Metcalf. personally. And I think Lockett will be the one that's free. And if say Norman being out kind of you know it, it's it the biggest reduced, drop off. Yeah. Yeah, the drop-off is a bit bigger than it would have been, and I think Lockett will be the beneficiary. Um, it's it's going to be a strange one because this, I know it's this is very much you know out there as a prediction, but I think this could be a rare week where the Seahawk tight ends have a bit of a day for themselves, and that both Lockett and Metcalf maybe don't go. Neither of them goes ham, but. You know, Lockett has a has a pretty nice day. Metcalf has an okay day, but I think the tight ends might actually have a reasonable day. Yeah, that's an even worse decision to make than than Lockett or, or Metcalf. Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not saying play. I'm not saying play <laughs> them because the problem is that it's as a collective. I mean, if Fancy had an option to say, you know, you you can start the just Seattle Seahawks tight ends as a packet and do that for every team then I would feel a lot happier just in general. But um, without, you know, being a commission, doing all the score editing to do that, it's not possible. And yeah, there'd be uproar. But still, I think that as a combination could be interesting. The Olsen and Disley probably being the main two, I think they could actually have a decent time just because the Bills are fifth, you know, the fifth best team to play against with tight ends. Um, whereas for wide receivers, they're 26th, which... Um, doesn't bode well, but obviously that's when you have two fully fit corners. Yeah, correct. So that's going to be the uh, interesting narrative on the day. But yeah, it's 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 always up in the air. It's always a bit of a 50-50 with the Seahawks. And you just have to, if you have either Metcalf or Lockett, you just have to play them, simple as. Because you cannot risk losing the big points that one will get. And the other is always serviceable. Yeah, and, and Metcalf, we saw him go up against Gilmore a couple of weeks ago, and he had Gilmore in his pocket. So is there is the potential now that he is kind of... I think that was proof. a Gilmore that was already thinking about on the market.com. Yeah, more but than... he's, still, he's still got to have big games to um, to prove that, that he that he should be traded for and, and, and paid as, as he wants. So, yeah, I, I am leaning with you, James. I am I am starting to think that Lockett will have the, the bigger game of the two, but you cannot drop either of them uh, in this matchup because... Um, and that's to your bench. I'm not saying waivers oh, Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got that, to your bench. Um, you've got to start both of those. Uh, and the running back, the running back situation in Seattle is an interesting one once again because Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are both likely out for this one. So fire up DJ Dallas. I yeah, I'm rolling with him. Heck, like we've still got Travis Homer there. They promoted Alex Collins, the the former Baltimore Ravens running back from their practice squad. But I am firing up DJ Dallas in this one because he had a good game last week against the 49ers. So let's let's. Let's roll him again this week. And then we flip over to the Buffalo side of the ball. And Josh Allen, I think he is also matchup proof at this point. I think you've got to start him because he does present you with that rushing upside. Uh, Seattle are the second best matchup against fantasy quarterbacks. So I think Buffalo are going to have to, to pass this one in this one to keep up with, with Seattle, which isn't necessarily great for, for Josh Allen. But he has had some nice passing games earlier on in this season, so I'm sure that he will uh, he will relish the chance to keep up with Russell Wilson, and he will put up some fantasy numbers here. At the running back, I'm going with neither. I think Singletary and Moss. Until we see a clear cut person out of this backfield, I am I'm not confident about starting either. And it's obviously been Singletary's backfield for, for the season to begin, but with Moss coming in and chipping away more and more and obviously getting the two touchdowns last week, which is double the amount of touchdowns that Singletary has on the season against a team that is not bad against the, the running back. Um, Seattle are only conceding 16.5 uh, half point PPR points to the position. So I am reluctant to start either one of those in this one. But that does mean that we've got the the wide receivers in this room and Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, I, th- I think are automatic starts. Stefan Diggs, he's great talent um, against the team that is conceding the, the top most points to the wide receiver. Uh, you've got to start Stefan Diggs. And Cole Beasley, PPR machine, he's just one of those completely underrated players that just gets seven or eight receptions a game. And that's, that's his flaw with his points. But we don't ever hear about him or talk about him. So Cole Beasley as well. 
And then the tight end position, we've got Dawson knocked out. So that means that we are looking at Tyler Croft, maybe. But Seattle are actually really good against the, the tight end. So I am not recommending that you start either of those. So on the Buffalo side, start, uh, sit your running backs, sit your tight ends, but start up all the wide receivers and start up Josh Allen as well. James, anything to add on the Buffalo front? Um, yeah, the sing- well, the Singletary Moss argument's a difficult one because... I do. I think it's one of those where, with how bad the running back depth is, and you know, I'll, I'll go on about it for weeks, and I still keep going. If you have either of them, there's every chance that with bye weeks and injuries and everything else, you're probably in a position where you you may have to start one. And what I, I, I sort of say that they're not bad starts compared to you know some of the waiver wire fodder. I mean. Obviously, you'd start them over like Jordan Howard or whatever your best guess is in Miami at the moment. But um, I think I still think both of them are serviceable, but it's just one of those tempering your expectations. Um, I mean, while I'm thinking running backs, obviously, Chris Carson's only been ruled out in the last sort of, you know, 12, 15 hours, I think. Um, so the pivot back to DJ Dust is quite large. Um, I'm not overly sure. I'm feeling comfortable with Dallas, but then again, considering what he did in the previous game against the Niners, you, you kind of have to go with it. Um, just keep an eye on Travis Homer's availability and whether the um, Seahawks try and do something a bit uh, cute, shall yeah. we say. <laughs> so I think they just do a, a Green Bay, if I'm perfectly honest, and just say, we've not got the healthiest running backs right now, so we're just going to put it in the hands of our incredible Quarterback, our MVP, uh, MVP league. Well, that's, that's what we thought against the Niners, and then Dallas had a good game. So. <laughs> oh well, let's let's see. Uh, the Eagles are on by, so I can't. We can't have the double Dallas thing that Tim had the other week. <laughs> no, so um, yeah, that is my outlook on the Seahawks and the Bills. James, would you like to take us into your first spotlight game for this weekend, please? Speaking of spotlight, we're talking prime time. I'm going Saints at Bucks. So nice. Breeze and Brady take it on against each other once again. And it's an in well, every game we talk about is going to be interesting. It's the NFL in a COVID hit season. We're actually getting football, which is just a godsend in itself. But this is going to be quite an interesting one. Five and two Saints versus six and two Bucks. And starting off on the Bucks side. Let's be honest, Brady's been proving a lot of doubters wrong. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't all Belichick. Brady still has something special on his own, and the team being formed around him is looking pretty special as well. Now, obviously, for Brady to be particularly relevant, you need some good receivers, and he now has three. Antonio Brown returns from his... um, what shall we say, shenanigans, suspensions, exile, whatever you want to call it, he is back looking like he's going to play on a football field for a team, which if you, that wasn't on my bingo card at the beginning of the season, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, but similarly, Mike Evans is still there. Chris Godwin is being, he's questionable, but he's expected to play. So, you have a lot of options. And Rob Gronkowski is back to the Rob Gronkowski that we knew at the Patriots. So you have four excellent receivers. Oh, and you've got Leonard Fournette who can receive, who can catch the ball at the backfield, which when he was at the Jags, we all, well, all but you, joked that he couldn't do that. <laughs> and now suddenly, uh, yeah, he's uh, the pass catching back. And uh, a lot of fancy people like me are having to mince a few words. So, yeah, that offense is just frankly scary. And the Saints are uh, not fantastic against wide receivers, not fantastic against quarterbacks, really not good against tight ends. So Gronkowski is one of the best tight end plays this week, apart from sort of your obvious Kelsey. I think he could even be the number two after Kelsey, if I'm honest. Um, they're just reasonably good against the run. So this isn't exactly a Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette type of game. This is a pass it around all over the shop and... I think that they may they may have planned A B in quite a bit, but it is going to be a gamble if you go for him. There is every chance also that he is, shall we say, game rusty, especially in COVID times. So, yeah, if they're fit, if they're available, play them. But 
you know, the one person that this does hurt is Mike Evans because he's been t- very much touchdown dependent this year by by all accounts. And one more fantastic target is not good news for him. I mean, I was surprised he wasn't on the trade block, but here we are. The, the Bucks are going all out for the Super Bowl at home. So, and the last time that happened was when the Vikings went for it and just fell short. So we'll see how that goes. In terms of the Saints, they have their own returnee from not exactly exile, but injury and then his own man-made suspension for fighting um, in Michael Thomas. And again, he has the Q next to his name, but he's looking very much set to play and they need him because the supporting cast have been okay, but Drew Brees needs his number one weapon outside of Alvin Kamara. And yeah, he is very much going to be the reason why this team can kick on. And this isn't the greatest of matchups in the world, but it's not the worst. Tampa Bay are in sort of, you know, the very much middle range when it comes to defending wide receivers. They're very good against the run, very good against quarterbacks. So Drew Brees isn't a fantastic play, but with Thomas and Kamara, you can probably overcome that slightly. Um, again, Alvin Kamara is one of those where you don't need my input. You start him. He's probably one of the top three running backs and probably one of the top three players in fantasy. You just play him all the time. But yeah, Breeze isn't the best slot at the moment. But yeah, if you have Michael Thomas, you play him. If you have Jared Cook, you play him. After that, eh, Traquan Smith could have a decent day, but I just struggle. If Michael Thomas is there, I struggle to see any of the other receivers being relevant. As a side note, Emmanuel Sanders is back from his COVID um, positive that he had. But I think considering he was taking so long to adapt and get into the offense, and just at the point that he was doing it, he then got struck down with COVID. And now he's back. He's also got Michael Thomas back. So, um, yeah, Sanders is at best the stash in deeper leagues, but I struggle to see his path to relevance unless MT gets hurt again. Um it's not looking like a game where you play the defense, if I'm being honest. So that tends to mean a lot of fantasy points and quite an exciting game. So let's hope. Yeah, I think that the narrative going into this one, uh, Breeze is currently on 560 passing touchdowns and uh, Brady's currently on 561. And I think both of these players will be competing with each other to try and get that record. And it is just a game of chicken at the moment. Who's going to retire first? Who's going to leave the other one to, to <laughs> go and get the other one? So we could see the leader of the all-time passing touchdowns in this game change <laughs> multiple times in the same game. Like That's how poised it is with these two players that have obviously dominated their positions for the last uh, 20 years. Like this, That's how good this game could be, which leads me to believe it's going to be a horrible 10-7. We're going to stay up to watch uh, an awful game. But no, it's, well lots. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's poised to be set up so well. I think that will be the narrative throughout the whole game. Like Breeze will go out, get a couple of early touchdowns to take the lead, and then Brady will fight back, and it'll be it'll be that kind of kind of game all the way through because some of the receiving weapons in this one are just so tasty. Can't wait to watch that one. Should be good. And now I will go back and just for the sake of talking about every team, making sure that we're not leaving any team out on a week by week basis, I'm going to try and dissect the matchup between the New York Giants and the Washington football team, because there are some there are some fantasy pieces in here, even though it's not going to be the the best game we'll we'll ever watch it. I suppose you could still argue it's a um, an NFC East title race game in in some ways. Every game in that division is a title race game at the moment. (laughs) So uh, neither team are too far behind the the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, so it, it could be a, a possibility. But we'll start first with the New York Giants. Obviously, we've got Daniel Jones, who is currently the team's leading rusher. Yikes! And just for that reason, <laughs> and just for that reason, I'm going to be starting him in this one. So he does have that odd game where he will just look like an elite passer of the football. Um, and of course, that's impossible to predict when it will be, but he's certainly got that brushing upside. And we, we joke about that that long touchdown that he fell over for, uh, but he has still got that ability and he is still the team's leading rusher. 
Washington, it's not the best matchup we'll ever see, but I just, I just can't see them getting anything going on the ground. Wayne Goldman will, will likely be the, the ball carrier in this one with Devonta Freeman being ruled out again and Deion Lewis perhaps coming in for some third down pass catching work. So it's a stout Washington defence. They've got a decent defensive line. Uh, they're currently ranked 24 against the running back. So I, Daniel Jones is going to have to pass the football on this one. And he is starting to get healthiness at his at his receiver position. So we've got Slayton, Shepard, Tate, Engram. They have just gone out and picked Dante Pettis up off the waiver wire as well. So they are starting to, to get some pieces in there. And while all of them aren't particularly the, the best players in their position, Sterling Shepard has looked good now that he is healthy. And while these guys are healthy, and we, we had this conversation multiple times at the start of the season, didn't we, James? Like in weeks, oh, yeah. if... If, if they're all healthy, it's, it's a really difficult decision as to who to play. But as soon as one goes out, then we pick it up. And I know you were flying the Golden Tate flag. I was flying the Slayton flag. I think Rob was flying the Shepherd flag. We're all flying different flags because they're all that kind of um, similar ability there. But they are going to have to. And it is a tough matchup against the, the wide receiver position for the uh, for the New York football team. Uh, no, not New York football, New York Giants. Um, but tight ends, uh, Washington are giving up the seventh most points to the tight ends. So I think Evan Engram could be a sneaky good play in this one. For the first time, it seems, a season. Yep. it's um, it, it could be a good one there. So I'm firing up Daniel Jones. I'm firing up Evan Engram. And given the matchup and given I don't know which to start, I am leaving the wide receivers for this week. Extra note on that front. After saying I need the ball more last week, Golden Tate might get benched as a disciplinary thing, which takes one of the wide receivers out of that equation, which means on, on my own front, Slayton and Shepard become plug-ins if you are struggling when it, with wide receivers due to bye weeks and injuries. But the as you say, the football team's defense is reasonably strong against the wideouts, so it's it wouldn't be expecting much, but I do think both of those are plugins. But if you if you think you want to use Golden Tate as a plug-in, I'd be very careful. And we talked about the guy who is it's got an exemplary record. He's never missed a game, etc. And now he's he's missed well he had his um head ban at the start of the season which of course wasn't through any fault of his own but now he's seemingly getting a little bit of trouble he had that fight with uh, Jalen Ramsey a few weeks ago against the Rams and now he is starting to miss time from injury so uh, Mr Golden Boy is now starting to miss some time he's now tated <laughs> so we turn our attention to the Washington football team and the quarterback situation here Kyle Allen is going to start in this one and I think it's a similar situation to New York whereby we are going to have not a Shootout. Let's not let's not call it a shootout, but I think each team will will try the best to beat each other up. So I think Kyle Allen could be a super flex two start in this one. Running back position is a really difficult one. Antonio Gibson, I am starting because he will get the bulk of the ball. He does lead the team in rushing this season. Uh, and JD McKissick, particularly in PPR leagues, I'm going as well. But just don't be too upset when Peyton Barber comes in and nicks some of those goal line touches. Like. It's, it is a three-headed monster, but not a particular three-headed monster where you want to go out and start all three. Uh, each does bring their slightly own different different spin on things. Like Antonio Gibson between the 20s, J.D. McKissick for the passing work and Peyton Barber on the goal line. So just, I, I'd go Antonio Gibson, I'd go J.D. McKissick in PPR, but just don't be too disheartened when Peyton Barber does come in and vulture. And then at the wide-out position, we've got scary Terry McLaurin. He is a must-start because I think he's a, he's a top option. He's a safe PPR fantasy play in, in, in all your leagues. Uh, the Giants aren't doing too great against the fantasy wide receiver either, conceding 25.5 uh, half PPR points per game. And that's pretty much it at the, the, the pass-catching position. Dontrell Inman, who seems to have had a little bit of a career resurgence, is doubtful for this one, so, so don't go with him. And then at the tight end position, Logan Thomas, he should be the guy, but again, he's just not stepping up and doing it. Um, Jeremy Sprinkle, when did Jeremy Sprinkle get to Washington? He's always been there. He was drafted by them about three years ago. I'm thinking of Drew Sample. You are thinking of Drew Sample. He's still at the Bengals. But no, Jeremy Sprinkle 
has always been there because I've been waiting, and even preseason, I was hoping that he was the guy, and then jo- and then um, Logan Thomas just kind of popped up and said, "Hello, I'm here. I'm actually relevant." And he's annoying in tight end premium leagues because he's one of those where you play him, he gets nothing. You drop him, he scores 12, 15 points. <laughs> so uh, I think the, the best starts in this one are going to be both the defences. So uh, the yeah. New York Giants defence and the Washington football team defence, particularly the Washington football defence. Uh, the Giants are giving up the fourth most fantasy points to the to the position and um, the Washington it, it is a low-key, decent defense there. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. James, anything to add on the battle for fourth place in the NFC East? To be honest, I've just loaded up Logan Thomas's stats. And in the last two games, he's had seven receptions for 102 yards and two touchdowns. That's and they, they're almost spread evenly between the last two games. And they were both divisional. So, um, yeah, I... It is maybe maybe we're not giving him enough credit. I don't know, but um, yeah, the, when you've only got really one good wide receiver, and then after that, it kind of falls off a cliff a little bit. And your second best player probably is for receptions is either a running back or Logan Thomas. Then it's gonna be it's gonna be quite attritional this game. But no, Daniel Jones is the one I like the most, as I agree with you in that matchup. But overall. Yeah, it's, this could be this could be a bit of a chess match, which in that division feels like the wrong thing to say. But there you go. Yeah, an interesting one indeed. So, James, who are you looking at as your last game of the week? So, the last game I'm going to go for is quite definitely going to be a shootout because we've got two porous defenses against two pretty reasonable offenses, and that's the Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers. So at um, is it SoFi Stadium? I keep saying it Hard is. Fi or Hi Fi. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the sound system. Wi Fi. <laughs> wi Fi. No. So at SoFi Stadium in LA, uh, the four and three Raiders and the two and five Chargers, which isn't the way round I was expecting it to be at this point in the season, but there we have it. So the Chargers are at home and are you know on offense they are reasonably in good health. In all honesty. Um, the only person on the offense that's particularly um, injured is only Tromaine Pope, and that's not going to bother anyone because that's one less vulture. Obviously, you're missing Austin Eckler, and that's still a few weeks away from recovery, but you have Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly, and Justin Jackson is a very good play this week, in all honesty. Um, the Raiders are the fifth best team to play against if you have a running back giving up 23 points in half PPR games. So that's a very good play. And in some leagues, Justin Jackson is available on waivers. Um, not many. He is more, only more than 50%, but I have seen him available in a fair few leagues. And uh, it's a sneaky good play in this climate at the moment. Um, wide receiver-wise, Keenan Allen is an absolute PPR monster. And I mean, we've, we've, everyone on this podcast has professed their love for him at some point or another just because of his reliability and just how good he is, especially now Justin Herbert's the quarterback. Um, Mike Williams could have a very much a smash day today, I think. Um, I don't know your thoughts on it. Mike Williams very much is boom or bust, but this looks like a boom against the Raiders, who are middle of the road against wide receivers, but. You, you, it's like, do you, could you ever trust the Ravens, uh, Raiders, sorry, uh, defense to stop Justin Herbert? No, I think Justin Herbert is is completely safe, but Keenan Allen is, is completely safe, and Austin Eckler, when he comes back, will be completely safe in this offense. But apart from that, I can't trust anyone else. And Mike Williams is the one that's kind of like, so you've got your, you've got your top tier guys there that I've just mentioned, and then you've got all of your bottom tier guys and I completely forget all of their names because they're, they're that random a bunch of people I know you've got your <laughs> XFL guy uh, and that kind of stuff as well uh Don Parmet Don Donald Parham I remember I remember him well from the uh <laughs> from the XFL podcasting days yeah so you've got your third tier players in there just because you really don't know which and um, Mike Williams is kind of in the tier two on his own maybe with maybe with Hunter Henry I'd want Williams massively over Henry at the moment. 
I mean, okay, okay. You've got to look at you've got to look at the position though. You've got to look at I know I know what you're saying. I'd I'd rather play Williams than Henry, but you are talking about wide receiver versus tight end. I'd hope that you I think your options above Henry are lesser than the options that you've got above Williams. But well would you well here's here's a would you rather if we don't do this often enough, I don't think, but would you rather uh, in tight end position, would you rather play Hunter Henry or Jordan Akins against the Jaguars for Houston. But he's he's been out for all these weeks. And like Darren Fells has been has been taking the work. So I'm going Hunter Henry. Would you play Tyler Croft actually against the Seahawks? Uh... <laughs> actually, Hayden Hurst Hayden Hurst against the Broncos. There we go. Okay, Hayden Hurst against the Broncos. I am gonna go with Hayden Hurst. Because Hayden Hurst or Hunter Henry is one of those where you would have thought having that choice at the beginning of the season, you'd be like, great, I've got two really good, you know, top seven tight ends. And I think between them, they've not combined. I think they've only combined for like five top tens all year. So, um, yeah, it's it's a bit murky at the moment. But yeah, I'm just, Hunter Henry's just not doing it. It doesn't seem like Herbert really wants to use him that much. But then again, watch him turn it around and this be the game where it changes the mind. But speaking of turning things around, talking about the Raiders, albeit starting the Raiders bit with a bit of Chargers news in that Jerry Bosa is doubtful. And that segues nicely into the fact that Josh Jacobs has got the questionable tag on him as well. He had a bit of a knee injury and um, an illness which took him out of practice on Thursday, but he was limited on Friday and so long as that illness clears up, and they've already said it's not COVID, they've been fined enough on that front, apparently. They say nearly half a million in fines, and most of it to John Gruden for not wearing his mask properly. Mm. So, um, but if Jacobs plays, he's in a very good position here. And we've sort of, he's, he's been very much middle of the road. We were, I think we safe to say we expected more from him this season. We were expecting him to carry a lot of the load and... Even though the Raiders are at four and three, you can't say that he's the sole reason. I mean, the weathery game last week was very much in his wheelhouse. The only thing he didn't do was get a touchdown. So we know that, you know, if he plays, he's going to get the work. But just being able to do enough with it. Thankfully, the Chargers are, you know, middle of the road against running backs. And with Jerry Bosa out, that becomes a much better play, I think. Um in terms of wide receivers, it's a very difficult pull because they all can be relevant. It's not like Seattle where it's like one or the other. It's you've got Rooks, you've got Aguilar, you've got Renfro. You could potentially have, you know, any one of others there. Darren Waller at tight end is an almost certainty and he is in the category of if you own him, you play him every week. So that's easy. Derek Carr is probably my quarterback stream of the week because of... You can't trust which wide receiver is going to get it, but you just know Carr is going to have to throw it to them. But obviously with Jerry Bosa out, does that change the opinion and think actually they might run the bomb more or not? John Gruden always likes his running, doesn't he? He's, he's always said since he's been back there, I'm going to take it back to 1980 and I'm going to run the ball. And obviously I know it was a weather game last week, but for Jacobs to get 31 carries last week, I, I, I hear what you're saying. He's got plenty of receiving options. Um I just can't see them not going too much. I think I think Carr is fine. I think Carr is a fine play. He is one of those players that we don't talk about. He's he's almost guaranteed that twenty points every single week. He's never going to get thirty, but he's never going to slip to single figures kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's fine. I think the way that Herbert's been playing, it is going to be a little bit more of a shootout. It's indoors. It's it's not going to be a weather affected game last week. So yeah. maybe he'll be forced to because. The, the Raiders are in a potential wildcard situation here. Um, they're not going to keep up with the Chiefs, but um, in this Division 1, they're not going to want to let the Chargers go with this one. So, yeah, I, I don't have any problems with um, with staying calm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's going to be a 30-pointer, but at the same time, I think he's, he's a fine play. I think this could be one of those games where you see multiple long-distance touchdown passes. You know, there's, there's every chance you can end up with Jalen Guyton and uh, Nelson Aguilar both getting like 60 plus yard touchdown grabs and it just being shoot. It's not a game to play either defense, even in leagues. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm in a league at the moment where there are 20, I think it's 20 teams and most of them have 
two defenses, so there is no defense on the wire. Uh, if either of them two dropped onto the wire, I think I would still rather leave the spot empty. Yeah. <laughs> because I fear the minus. So that's how much I kind of think this could be a shootout. Well, we love to see shootouts, really, from a football oh, gosh, perspective. Yeah. From a football perspective, like it just makes it more entertaining. So, uh, and it is a late one as well, so it'll be some nice entertainment in the the late red zone window. There. Oh yes. But um, looking forward to it. Who's going to win though, James? Who's going to win that game? Do you know what? I I just think the Chargers might start putting it together because I have the faith in Justin Herbert. It, it feels like it's coming, and um. Yeah, with Mike Williams at health, Keenan Allen there, I just think this is the time. If they can do it this time without Austin Eckler, then fantastic. If they don't win this one, then you'd have to say that the Austin Eckler miss is the biggest miss that they've had. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'd back the charges, but this isn't one that's going to be going on my accumulator because I think it could very much go either way. Yeah, so two and five. And the Chargers are in a weird one because you've got the young rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert. He's going to be keen to make such a big impression on this league and win as many games as possible. And we, we mentioned the 49ers before, not necessarily tanking, but kind of accepting that they won't make the playoffs this year to, to in the name of a draft pick. Yeah. But I don't think Anthony Lynn has got that luxury. He can't afford to tank this season because his job would be would be in jeopardy. And particularly for Justin Herbert, he's not going to want to do that because he's got a point to prove. He's got a, a rock, offensive rookie of the year to, to win point. and all that kind of stuff as well. So I think the Chargers are in a very different situation. And even though it's highly unlikely that they make the playoffs from, from the two and five position, I think Anthony Miller will be playing for his job. And yeah, Justin Herbert will be playing for these accolades. And we, we will see them really take it to Las Vegas here and certainly not lie down and, and let them have it. It will um, it'll be a, a really good game to watch. To be honest, it's for the Chargers, it's mainly the defence need to stop hemorrhaging points to wide receivers. And, I mean, they've I think they traded Desmond King away and they just need some people to step up. That's sort of where they're struggling. Um, I mean, Austin Eckler back would help them. But, I mean, the Niners are in a position where... It, the, they know that a lot of their problem has been injuries, that if they had a fully fit squad, they wouldn't be in the position they're in mm. now. It's not that they haven't got the personnel. It's just that then they're all in the, you know, in rehab facilities, basically. Yeah. And a top 10 Whereas, 15 pick next year would just take them further. It would just, yeah, it would inadvertently give them an even stronger chance. They're, they're kind of in a, it would be a bonus ball situation, but they're not under pressure to get a high draft pick. The Chargers, I think, are in a similar boat in that their squad's not bad enough where it's like they badly need a top five, top ten pick. They're not in the we need to tank mode, which is good news for Anthony Lynn, really. Um, but they just need to stop giving points up to wide receivers, basically. And then they can give themselves a chance because, you know, being in a shootout every week can only work for some teams. They can't just be, you know, the Chiefs where, you know, if, if we'll, we, can, we can give up 40, but we'll score 50. Although the Chiefs realised quick that they need, if they tightened up their defence, they were going to win championships, and they did. So there's a model. Yeah, and the, the Chiefs, uh, the Chargers are one of those teams that are stuck in kind of that middle bracket and have been for yeah. quite a few years, and it's really hard to get out that middle bracket of teams because the drafts picks that you're getting aren't stood enough to push your team forwards but at the same time a whole team as a general is, is good enough to, to win a very middling amount of games you look at the the Browns the 49ers they've had a few years of, of top five picks and now all of a sudden have got elite elite squads I know the 40, we've talked about the 49ers but they, they did obviously get to the Super Bowl last year I don't know same same position with like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all that kind of stuff these teams that had a few years in a row of top five top ten picks really then can push on to, to championship teams. And you see the flip between the two. But the Chargers have just seemed stuck in this middle-of-the-road position for, for so many years and they can't get out of it. I'm not Say sold to on, the... I'm not sold on Anthony Lynn. I think um, nah. I, did, I did get a better impression of him coming out of hard knocks. But then 
the, the comments that he was making about his rookie quarterback earlier in the season when he said that Sarad would get the job back was, was a really difficult one for me there. So Yeah, yeah. he blotted his copybook with a lot of people there. And to those people who are saying, well, that means if you're in the middle of the road, just tank and start doing the whole building up draft pick thing. Just look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. And they had one good year where they really should have made the AFC Championship final and probably made the Super Bowl that year unless if the officials hadn't been um you know blind to the Patriots again. No. But <laughs> so it's a sore point in this household, I will admit. Um but yeah, it doesn't always work. You have to be good at the drafting side of things as well. Yeah, you've got to have the You've got to have yeah. the scouts and the GM and, and everyone there making the decisions on those draft picks too to hit your draft picks every single time. So, yeah, I completely agree with you there, James. So, anything more to add on the matchup between the Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers? Nope, I'm good. Wonderful. Then we will get out of here. So, James, where can we find you on Twitter? As always, find me at NFL Hype Train. I'll be hopefully over the weekend, I'm going to sort of drop in a few little nuggets about each game because I know we only ever talk about four on the show um, on the Saturday or Friday show whenever we release them. But um, I'm going to try and sort of do at least one tweet about each matchup um, over the course of the weekend before my game so that you get at least a little bit of insight. But um, as I always say, at NFL Hype Train, but two, two. And you've just mentioned nuggets. Maybe we could get Wendy's or McDonald's maybe to, to sponsor us. So if, if anyone's listening that's that's got some money that they'd like to give us from Wendy's or McDonald's or, or anybody in that sense. Uh... Honestly, Tesco value frozen, if you're listening. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Anything. Just, with a baby on the way, anything that I can just shove in the oven and forget is much appreciated. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, I have been David. You can find me on Twitter at Dav underscore F10Y. Nearly forgot my own uh, Twitter handle then. Uh, but make sure you also... <laughs> yeah, finger the chicken nuggets. It is it is lunchtime here in the UK, so we'll be going to uh, to get something straight after this. So, But you, you had a nice brunch this morning, didn't you? Well, I say nice. I don't, I don't know if it was nice or not, but you, you cooked brunch this morning, James. What did you have? Oh, ba- it was a bacon sandwich. Oh. It, it, if, if, I wake, if I wake up late, it's bacon sandwich in the morning because it's like the perfect lunch breakfast. You can have it for either, so... Yeah, that was that was very nice. Okay, the most important question that I will ask you on this podcast today, James. Oh God, here we go. Was it red or brown sauce? Oh, it's a contentious issue. It was red for me. It was barbecue for the wife. Barbecue? Yeah, she goes to the barbecue. Oh, there is no. a brown sauce in the house, but um, no, I I went red today. Yeah, I'm. I am with you. To be fair, I've got. I've got to be in the mood for brown sauce. But um, yeah, red sauce on the bacon all the way. Anyway, off topic. <laughs> and now we've lost about half of our followers. <laughs> oh, a a conten- the most contentious question that I have asked you. But head over to podcast question. There's yeah, exactly. a Twitter poll. Exactly. Sorry. So head over to at F10Y Fantasy where we will have all of the information that you need to win your fantasy matchup over the weekend. We've got your starts, sits, injuries, DFS content. Make sure you head over, check us out, give us a follow, uh, interact with us, and we will see you Monday. You've been listening to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website www.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, Fantasy Football, College Football and even Britball. Thanks for listening and remember folks, keep those eyes peeled.